This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. We should really turn to baseball, this, this pod. I mean, we could talk some politics, some other shit. I'm a little bit bored of it, actually, to be honest. The politics, the coronavirus is really a dud. It's like, it's not a dud. It might kill us all yet, but it's just going too slow. Like, just get it over with already. Yeah, I hear you. I'm definitely ready to talk baseball. I've been studying about it like crazy. Um, obviously, I'm over football. Oh, the All-Star Game, I will say, was really cool in the NBA, and I don't give a shit about the NBA, and I won't even talk Warriors, but the, the Elam thing they had, the, the new format was was awesome, and it should actually maybe be instituted in like real NBA season games, and that that was fantastic. But um, other than having a daughter of 104-degree temperature homesick from school, uh, yeah, let's talk baseball. I, I, I the, the lead should be you ducking me anyway, right? You signed up for a... <laughs> I, I asked you beforehand, please let me know. Give me... Give me I don't even any any notice frankly i should have just said sign me up included but you're obviously we could have you know gone over the dates but uh before i know it it had already been filled yeah what happened was i was trying to get it going before i leave for vacation next week for a few days and because i like to do a february draft that was the one that finished 12th overall last year was the one you were in it was in february and i just think you can get teams that just aren't common when the bulk of the drafts happen because obviously the adp is totally different so I want to get at least one. I'll have a second one that you can be in, and I'll try to give you notice. So I just want that to get it. That's true about the February timing um, of ours last year, but I, I think you misspoke when you said the part. I, I've been in both part twos, I think. I'm positive for football because I remember the first one, you somehow yeah. got like Nick Chubb and Kittle and all that, and I wasn't a part of that one. But later is the one that you were you know, threatening the overall during the regular season, even though I think I passed you in the postseason. But, but, um, but th- so with the baseball one last year, you think it was number one or number two? I know it was number one. The football okay. was number two. Okay. The baseball number one but i will do number two but i just wanted to get a february one going uh, so, so oh so what happened was i so i emailed greg and i was like can you do it february 29th and i wasn't even going to start promoting it for like another week and then after i sent it to him he's like yeah i'll get it done the next day and then after i was going to bed that night at like 1 a.m and i was like oh wait that's when i'm on vacation so i got up i emailed him like just scratch that i'm gonna have to come up with a new date tomorrow and at that point i think it was saturday or sunday now, maybe it was Sunday. I sent him a new one. I said, can you just do this Friday? Because I also have to, there's not that many times I can do. Like all the 9 p.m. Eastern start times are 2 a.m. my time. So I found a 6 p.m. starts at 11. It'll be over by 1. That's fine. Or I was trying to do a Saturday one, which they didn't have this weekend. So I picked one on Friday at 6. And Greg's like, okay, cool. I'll start selling it. So before my XM show even happened on Monday, which is usually when I would sell it, it filled. It filled on Sunday, actually. 
So he, he put it up Sunday morning and it filled a couple hours later. So usually there's like two or three people that sign up and on Monday we push it on the XM show and that's when I would email you and say, by the way, here, here's the link to it. But it didn't even, it was sold out in like on a Sunday in a few hours. That is funny. I mean, people want your action or no, really, what does that mean? That is funny. I mean, I guess you're popular. I mean, obviously the, the more, uh, boisterous you are, I guess it makes sense. I guess it's been kind of pretty quick the last few of these things, hasn't it? Yeah. Like it takes like three or four days. This took a few hours on a Sunday. Like this is <laughs> yeah, over. That's impressive. Yeah. That's yeah. On a Sunday. So, so that's yeah, why like, I didn't notify you. And I was like, Oh shit. A long I- weekend too. Right. I mean, it was like a holiday Monday. So people are, should be gone. So yeah, that's impressive, man. Yeah, so I was like, I didn't even have a chance to notify you. And then I saw that you didn't sign up, and I was bummed because I'm like, the sure. last two ones you signed up for are my best two. Yeah. I'm like, you are just you know easy money and somehow good luck for me. But then Mike Masato signed up, and he was talking right. shit. But that's, you know, that's free money right there. So that's, that's good that he was in there. Yeah. Right, I'm glad he's in there too. Definitely going to follow follow that one. Let me know how your draft goes. So I got the itch when you said this, um, got frustrated. I'd only been in that one in-person draft uh, on base, um, and uh, yeah, it was President's Day, so uh, I signed up for a Rotowire online championship Monday night and uh, did one myself and had a definitely fun, so I, uh, uh, yeah, and I'll definitely do it again, though, with you, so just give me a heads up before we do it, but um, I got the ninth pick in the one on uh, I Did Monday, and I believe you got something similar to got your, in your draft, yeah. either ninth, yeah, got yeah, and you, well, how did you do that? Uh, I mean, sorry, your, your KDS. I went one, two, three, eight was my fourth choice. I was, I I had the eighth person to get his choice and I got my fourth choice. I wasn't really, I did it like not even realizing that it was running very soon after I was like, I may as well just do this. I was sitting at this uh, cheesy indoor climbing park that Sasha was at and Heather was taking me out to teach me to drive a stick shift, which I still don't know how to drive because I grew up in Manhattan and I just always had an automatic, but every car in Europe is a stick shift. Pretty much. I, there's an automatic once in a while. Whenever there is, I do all the driving. But she drives all the time because it's stick shift. I don't know how to drive it. So she's like, you got to learn. So we went out for a couple uh, I don't know trips. I don't know how either. Yeah, I'm sure you wouldn't know how. You, you're a nutless monkey. So I went out on a couple trips. You know, I was like avoiding these kids. You know, they're like walking in front of the car. But the good thing is I know how to drive a car. So it's not like, you know, I'm just learning this particular way of doing it. So I'm not going to like not know how to step on the brake or but it is a little more involved. So I was doing that. I set my KDS at this climbing park, this indoor climbing park. And then a couple hours later, I was like, oh shit, it ran. And then I actually didn't realize till the XM show the next day, Jeff was like, what did you do for KDS? I was like, well, I'm hoping to get, and then I checked and I was like, wait, I got eight. I didn't even realize it ran. So I'm fine with eight. I think it's, I'd rather have one of the top three, but after that middle of the draft is good for me. Yeah, it makes sense. I think I want one of those top three. Yeah, exactly what you said. Um, I think it's it's different with the one I did, the Rotowire 12 team. I, I wouldn't mind the end, but I was doing my TGFBI settings this morning. And 15 team, I don't know. I kind of want before that, like like what you're saying, eight or nine. But that's for a different strategy we can get to if you want to. But um, your, your sheet you came up with, I appreciate. Uh, want to talk about that and what you've done, some formulas and all that? Yeah, have you looked at it since? I've really updated it, man. I put everything in this thing. So I've actually done a lot of research. Like I've really went my own rankings quite hard this year, probably more so than ever by far. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate the bats uh, projections and you, yeah, you took some legwork out of it. And I, I do appreciate the, re- I, I saw it today and uh, yes, well, well done Liz. Thank you. Did, did you see yeah. the NFBC breakdown sheet where it shows the actual hitter pitcher split in the NFBC now? 
Oh, no, I don't know. No, I have not looked at this. I added that yesterday. So what I did was I just sort of assigned everybody a value in descending order. Oh, yeah, you keep going over so many tabs. Okay, I see. Okay, go go, to the the, right. So I assigned Acuna as $45 at the top, and I assigned the last guy a buck, the 276th player. That's the entire like starting pool in a 12 team league, 23 players. And I made it add up to $3,120, which is the amount 12 team $260 auction would add up to, to give them dollar values. And then I, I made it add up. I just kept experimenting with like 0. 0.98, 0. 0.988, 0. 0.986. Multiply each thing down as each pick went down until it got, you know, until it fit right, until the top guy was 45, the bottom guy was a buck. There were 276 players and it, Totaled at 3,120. Did trial and error until I got the right percentage. And then with those, you know, sort of fake values for each draft slot. So pick one is worth 45, pick two is worth 4436, pick three is worth 4374 on down. And then I put in the NFBC ADP and I was able to figure out like how much money spent on outfielders, how much money is spent on first baseman, pitching, relief pitching, catchers. So when you're doing the conversions of like the steamer projections or the Cardi projections to dollar values, you have to know how much money is being spent on, say, closers to figure out how much closers should go for, or catchers, or pitching versus hitting. Normally, in the tout wars and labor drafts, we used to say it was 70% hitting, 30% pitching. That was the 70-30 normal split. Right. And three years ago, the NFBC, I, I did the same method, and I came up with 66-34 split. So the NFBC was more pitching heavy. This year, it is 646 versus 35.4. So it's even higher on pitching. And moreover, the relief pitching is lower than it's ever been. It's only 210, 211 bucks on relief pitchers. So the starting pitching is getting a bigger portion of the overall dollars in the NFBC. If you were to convert the, you know, to, to do a calculation, you have to convert the draft slots to dollars. A bigger portion of resources is going to starting pitching than ever. Yeah, and nearly half the amount of hitters, basically. Yeah, well, not 90%. quite. Right, not, not, not quite, quite nearly. Quite. It's 30, 35.4. Oh, okay. Not quite? Okay, all right. Um, look, isn't it like 8,900? Yeah, 2,000, I guess. Okay. Um, 8,900. Eight, um, out of 3,120. Right, right. Okay. Um, no, no, but it's 893 out of 2,000 for hitting, right? Well, versus 2,000. It's yeah. out of 3,120, which right. is versus two. Right, right, right. Okay, all right. Interesting. Yeah, okay, so... What what are your that is a lot of a lot of work. Well, actually, of actually, if you, if it's the pitching, it's eleven hundred on pitch, eleven oh four on pitching. It's just that the eight ninety three is starting pitching. Just starting, right? No, I got you. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, actually, it's it's more on pitching total than than hitting. Um, no, oh sorry, no. sorry, more than half, more than half, more than half. That would take it over more than yes. Half. Okay, right. So, what is your takeaway from this? Uh, my takeaway is just that when you then put the you know pitching stats and convert it to dollar values you need to use $893 worth of pitching and that bumps up the starting pitchers pretty high so that when you end up doing the overall ranks for you know the bat the number one player is not Mike Trout it's Justin Verlander is the number one pick on that board and then number two is Trout number three is Garrett Cole number four is Yelich number five is DeGrom Number six is Bellinger. Number seven is Acuna. Eight is Arenado. Nine is Max Scherzer. Number 11 is Chris Sale. So the pitching, when you realize how much NFBC is spending on pitching, and then you say, okay, what are these algorithmic projections saying these pitchers are going to do? So, you know, a lot of this money is going to be spent on these pitchers. 
Well, I totally agree with it. And uh, certainly in a big overall contest, I think you need one of those big, uh, big, whatever, four pitchers, I would they have say. Five. Um, for them, it's a big, for yeah. both projection systems. Yeah, I know, I know. We're going to get to Sale in a minute. Yeah. We're going to get to him in a minute. Because um, I actually have a different take of the top four slightly, too. Um, I think you definitely need one of those four, almost to the point of, uh, do you want, do you really prefer Acuna, Yelich, and Trout over one of those big four? I mean, I don't think that's a no brainer, but certainly I want those four next. If you don't get the, one of those. And uh, so I, number nine, I, I drafted Scherzer actually ahead of Verlander, who I have number two. Um, just the more I looked into him, I kind of wanted to buy a guy coming off, not a huge workload. And it wasn't because of arm issues. And if we're not worried about Verlander's age, why should we be worried about Scherzer or less of a workload? And he has the NL and uh, his, his average fastball velocity and swinging strike percentages were both career highs last year. So whatever you want to quibble of those four, um, I do think Scherzer belongs right there in the, with the top of the big three. And then what do you do with sale? I've come around on him since I've done this draft, but um, I've moved him up just yeah, the two number five on my starting pitcher rankings. And um, yeah, I look, he, he supposedly got the PRP injection in the off season. And Andrew says, you're good to go. I've seen this all the time. He threw his elbow feels better than ever. Um, I'm just assuming the pneumonia is just that. And uh, so I'm all in. And, and, and now the question is where do we target him in the, in the overall, in the main event? Okay, so you're you're in. That's interesting because in. in. Cardi was so in on the show. I mean, he was completely in. I mean, his projections and steamers though have sales. The big five. Everyone has Bueller as the big as the fifth. But I absolutely love Bueller, and I even had him. Yeah, yes. I, I but just he hasn't done it yet as far as the workload. And the thing with sale is, we look at the projections. They're like I think even Cardi's has them for like a but maybe even Steamer both have them for whatever reason that is maybe like an algorithm but exactly that must be an algorithm because it is exactly the same but yeah 177 so obviously you'd rather more innings for your your ratios but projecting 235 Ks with that is is like more helpful that right. you know what I'm saying That's like right. what if he did pitch 200 I mean Unless. The, we all do play in K rates we really do because I mean the the reliever that gets 80 Ks is more helpful than the reliever that gets 60 you know. That's right, but you're assuming that sales going to be shut down predictably or get hurt and miss a whole month, you know, and not be affected. Right, it's not just like, yeah, 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 he might not just, yeah, it's not like he might either miss the 23 innings or he's going to miss the whole year or pitch them all. Yeah, I, I get, or, I get or he may, they may say, you know, he's had a 110 pitch count last week. We're going to shut him down this week. They say that on Tuesday. So they shut him down a couple of weeks to get him down to the amount of innings that, he's projected for and you don't get some other pitcher in there to get extra strikeouts you know it doesn't always work it's not always like okay here's the plan here's how it's going to work that that's all i'm saying is that you the argument of saying well he gets those strikeouts in fewer innings is great because when he's out you'll put in someone else and get even more strikeouts in that slot but you might not get warning it's you, you'll get warning probably for some of them, but anyway, they really don't love messing with pitchers who already have a barking elbow. I get it, but I mean, he's just an, and Keith Law was always worried about his, um, you know, his, uh, the way he threw, but 30, 30 years old. So if you just look the, the projection systems, just, it just jumps out such a difference maker. Like how can you, how can you justify taking a Freddie Freeman over the possibility of, of sale staying healthy? Yeah. I mean, sales going in the third round though. Freeman's early second. So, I mean, in the NFBC, I'll have a shot at sale in the middle of the third. Now, because we've been talking about on the show and beat Chris Liss is mostly listeners, I probably won't. But, you know, as it stood, if at the eighth pick of the third round, you might have got sale. So I might have got like DeGrom in the first round or somebody like that or Scherzer or whoever I want, Verlander. And then I would get in the second round, like Nolan Arenado. And then the third round, I'd have Chris Sale. And I'd be like, okay, I got to deal with steals now. 
but man, you know, sale yeah. Verlander and then like a four category machine. It's pretty good. Yeah, for sure. All right. So you're, you're kind of, I, I take it you're in then too with sale in round three. I'll probably gamble on it. Yeah. I just think it's a good bet at that it's, point. Yeah. Okay. You can be a, you can miss your hitter then anyway. So yeah, uh, again, it's, it's risky, but for an overall to me, it's like, that's what you got to swing for the fences. Yeah. But, but the interesting question is that both steamer and Cardi steamer has four of the first five picks or pitchers and Cardi, the same thing. And what I said to Cardi when he was on is that, well, if you're, if we weren't drafting these actual players with, you know, real life players, but we're just drafting these stat lines. And I really think we should do this one time. Right. We just have, we just draft the projected stats, not real players. And you can't have like a spreadsheet adding it up at the time. You're just buying the player stats. And then we just run it and we see who won at the end. You know, we could find out right after the draft who won the league and find out like, Oh shit. Like you really screwed up taking Mike Trout's numbers over Garrett Cole's projected numbers. And I I think you would screw up because even with this crazy six, even giving them only a third, basically the pitchers of what the hitters get, um, the pitchers still win just according to the numbers. And then actually in this case, it should be 50, 50, right? It's five categories a piece. So in a way it's like the only reason it's 60, you know, five 35 is because, pitchers are more fungible you can get you know you can get them off the waivers better all these all the reasons why we don't give the pitching projections their full weight but if we just had to run the you know run the league right with the projections right after we finish assembling the the league it would be 50 50 right and then verlander would be worth like 60 bucks that would be a fun exercise and i've kind of like done a little bit since you took out the legwork as far as converting projections into the rankings um and i yeah i was like interested in like you know, I, I use some uh, some of the projections based on my rankings, and I'm like, yeah, how much does uh, Carrasco's WHIP help versus you know Corbin's WHIP, you know, versus the K's for fantasy league translates, and that's uh, that is interesting. And who knows your formula? You know how perfect it is too, right? I mean, you just there's a lot of subjectivity to that, right? Yeah, it's a little bit more art than science. Like one of the things you have to figure out. And I think I did a good job. I, fi- I understand how it works now. When I, f- I solved some wrinkles, taking the catchers out of the hitter pool and doing them separately, but then making sure that the standard deviations are from the whole pool, but just the replacement value is from the catcher pool, because then you get like how much better Real Muto is than the other catchers, but you're not saying that his, his steals will be many standard deviations above the average catcher or the replacement catcher. But it's not many standard deviations above his, you know, six or seven steals aren't going to really help you that much in the, in steals. So you have to use the standard deviations for the whole pool, but the replacement value for just the catchers. And I figured out that. But one of the things that's very subjective is when you're looking for replacement value, you're saying, okay, everything's calculated on how much better is this player's stats than whatever the freely available stat line is. So you've got to figure out what is the freely available stat line. And so, right, if a guy hits like 50 homers, He's not worth 50 homers. He's worth 50 he's worth 50 minus the 16 homer guy that's just there for free. So he's worth 34 homers. That's always the baseline. And if a guy hits 5 homers, he's not worth plus 5. He's worth minus 11. You know, he's he's a negative in homers, right? We we have to have a baseline. 
Sure. But figuring out that baseline, first of all, you want to take kind of a wide average because you don't want the, you know, you don't want to say, okay, there's 144 non-catcher hitters. So player 145 is the replacement value. No, because that guy could be Billy Hamilton. You know, he could be all steals. And so you've got this really uh, distorted sense of what replacement is. So you want to average like 40 players in a range. So you get like an average, you know, a player that has six steals and 15 home runs and a 252 average and 72 runs and 68 RBIs. I'm just making that up, but that sounds like sort of a replacement player. But then you're like, well, is that really a replacement player? I mean, that guy wouldn't stay in your lineup all year. You'd probably be mixing and matching. So do I want to make it a little higher than that and use like the average of player 100 to 120 or player 80 to 120? Or do I want to just say, okay, well, these are all, you know, it's very subjective, like what you want to choose as your baseline. And you think, well, just whatever, choose a baseline. It makes a difference. The baseline you choose will either move up or down the elite guys. The lower the baseline, the worse it is for the elite guys, because that means lots of players have value over the low baseline. And when lots of players have value, there's only a certain amount of dollars to be spent on hitting. So if players that are like the hundredth ranked guy are like 10 or 12 bucks above the baseline, then that's, you know, money that can't go to the top guys. If you make the, the replacement value super high, so it's like the 50th guy as replacement, well, then only the top 49 guys are going to have any value. And then Trout's going to be like 80 bucks. So you, you have to move, moving the replacement moves the, it changes the rankings. Uh, it doesn't change the rankings of hitting relatively to each other much. But when you combine pitching and hitting, that's where you see a, uh, an issue is that your hitters are too much or your pitchers are too much. So it's very sensitive which baseline you use. And to me, I don't know. You tell me. It's not obvious what you know what baseline to use for me. No, I don't think it's obvious either. That's an inexact science for sure. I would love to kind of. I would like to see the the batting average comparison among catchers. Like uh, how, well, how I'll tell you, you properly... I can tell you right now. Okay. So, okay. I, all right. So the yeah. ba- using the bat, I think I use catchers twenty to thirty, right? So twenty four is you know there's twenty four starting catchers in a league, and the the replacement value batting average is two two thirty. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, okay. Does, right. I mean, and then how many, and then how many help you there? Like two or something? No, because remember, um, they're, they're relative to each other. So you, right. you, know, yeah, you have yeah, to have yeah, two yeah, catchers. Yeah, yeah. Now, they don't get yeah. a lot of, they're not worth a lot because, you know, the standard yeah. deviation. Again, Real Muto's got seven steals. That's the most of the catchers. So, okay, he's many standard deviations better than, you know, in, in catcher steals, better than, you know, most of these guys, but because it's small, the standard deviation. But when you put him back, when you put use the standard deviation from the whole pool, it's not much. He only gets you his, you know, he's he's getting you like his steals are worth not very much. They're worth like you know point seven two, and then basically they're worth about a buck or two. You know, like you're, you're not they're not worth that much more than the average. You know, the average catcher has about three steals. So like Real Muto has seven. Okay, but you're comparing it to the the rest of the pool. Um, but you're comparing the replacement to the rest of the catcher. So the replacement catcher, at least uh, on Cardi's projections, has 344 at-bats. He's got, um, I've got to stretch out these cells so I can actually read it, you know, like 10.3 home runs. That's your catcher, 10 home runs, 230 average, you know, two or three steals. Yeah, no, I got you. I, just meant, I bet there's only two catchers who are better than average and actually help you in batting average. But yeah, no, it totally makes sense. And also for volume, they're not going to get as much as other positions. But uh, well, that's pretty pretty valuable information that you created. Yeah, well, there, that, right? well, the volume the volume is is also calculated. So all sure. the averaging stats, average WHIP and ERA, are obviously indexed for innings pitched. You know, I, I calculate innings pitched and at bats, so that if you're predicted for sales, WHIP and ERA aren't helping you 
as much as if he had 215 innings. And Cardi said both these, I believe uh, I'm totally actually fine with him outsourcing it to roster resource for like the depth chart stuff. He shouldn't be doing about it. I think he really skeptical. I think that's absolutely the way he should do it. People concentrating on that. But then again, you can tinker with that yourself. You should be able to do that with your rankings for I sure. Your own playing time or whatever. Um, I but don't yeah, uh, want to do it. Okay. Yeah. So I, Oh, so it's roster resource. I, didn't, I thought it was fan grass. And so it is, it is the fan grass owns that now. Same thing. Same, okay. same exact. But same what's thing. weird is steamer does not have the same games played as Cardi. So Seamer must do it themselves, and then maybe Cardi does it through the Fangraphs one. Here's the issue. I don't know which one's better. For for all I know, the roster resource could be better. But I want it to be algorithmic and not subjective because the whole point of the projection part of my aggregate thing, which is and just to backtrack, basically what I do is I have two-thirds NFBC ADP, one-sixth Cardi, and one-sixth Steamer uh, as, as... converted through my formulas, the, the rankings that I get through my formulas. And, and the idea is, it's sort of what Rufus Peabody does with his betting, is you have the market, which is like the spread in football, or the ADP. The market has a lot of good information in it. It's really, really good. But it also has some biases. It has some recency bias. It has some other biases. And the algorithms are not don't have as much information as the market. The market's better than them, but it has information that the market is missing, because it doesn't get excited about rookies, especially it doesn't get excited about the guy who had a great year last year but hasn't been good over three years. It's, it's all based on the historic tendencies and the math. So I don't like that roster resource or anybody's manually doing the playing time because the market's manually doing the playing time already. Yeah. So it, basically, you're not going to gain information from that. But maybe playing time is so hard to do algorithmically since it's so subjective that maybe it's better that way, but my two things, my guess is the market is wrong on sale early on. And it's going to really correct in a, in a big way in the next couple of weeks. Um, and secondly, didn't what it was Cardi's answer for, for as far as projecting wins, he uses team context, obviously, right? Like it, you yes. know, projecting how yes. many runs that the Astros are going to Everything. score, right? All that, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, I mean, I think he's pretty thorough. I mean, I think we would think of bullpen defense, yeah. you know, park effects, like, I think all that stuff is put into his projections. And I really liked his segment. He was fired up. He was getting pissed that people give him shit for the uh, bad rookie projections. I see both sides. I see the side that, dude, you know, you, you, you can't just say, well, you know, these are all rookies, so rookie equals bad, therefore Acuna bad. And I see his side, which is like, yeah, but what about Vlad and Eloy Jimenez? Like, you know, people are pissed about Tatis, but, you know, everyone else is expecting Vlad and Eloy Jimenez to be huge last year. Right. And they weren't, you know, and Senzel and all these guys that were busts. It, it, it's a tricky thing. And I said, I asked him, I said, well, you know, isn't Acuna a different prospect than some of these other guys and he's like well you know look at vlad vlad was a, ma- a massive prospect he as was. a hitter and maybe vlad was the exception I-, I would think vlad my opinion is you have to distinguish between the prospects and vlad should have been a monster but he was the exception and that normally if the guy is you know that special he's going to be good problem is it's very easy to say that in retrospect you know oh well of course acuna was so different well how do we know that because he was good well we only know he's good because he was good we didn't know if he wasn't good we wouldn't know that he was good so it's you know it's tricky but i, I still sort of subscribe to it because it's like that sam bradford and dominic and sue debate we had everyone's like oh you got to take the quarterback oh, yeah. well, why sam bradford's not like some special prospect you know it's like andrew luck yes it doesn't matter who's there you know, it, it doesn't right. matter if, and you know, Nick Bosa's there. You go ahead and you take. I, I well, I would take Kyler Murray over him, but 
that one's going to be close. I think. I don't think that's a slam dunk, really. Stop! I'm having flashbacks. I can't continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, the bat also I think is kind of down on Lewis, or is it Luis Robert? Um, either way, relatively speaking to the market, uh, is down on another prospect. And Cardi also just uh, tweeted his top thirty projected WOBA hitters, top thirty hitters in baseball. And to your point, I think Acuna is like twelfth, and people are giving him a hard time. But he's like, I think this guy ranked like thirty sixth last year in WOBA. Yeah, no, no, WOBA, WOBA. People, steals, are, people but, are idiots. WOBA is not. No one's buying. It was a WOBA only league. Acuna would not yeah. go in the first round. Okay, like this, like that's not. It's a it's a five category league that counts yeah. stolen bases and home runs specifically. Those are yeah. important categories, and that's why he's the first pick. So anyway, to, uh, bottom line for I'm with you on and these results, and I was coming to that conclusion uh, before this. So I'm glad that it solidifies it. But I did my my testing last year, messed around, spent main event drafting not a pitcher into the first like the first I think round 16. But now I'm back to pitching, and I actually come the other way, which I originally was a few years ago. But I mean, you just simply have to come away with one of these horses. And uh, how, how extreme are you going to go though when it comes to these money leagues, overall ones? Uh, I mean, I don't. So, so what you did last year was weird because it actually worked to a large extent. You got a lot of good pitchers late. Your hitting was shit because you obviously are a terrible hitter drafter. Otherwise, your game is solid, and that sunk you. But imagine you had just taken like one Garrett Cole or Verlander with yeah, the pitching that you got. Right, you would have been in great shape because you you know you screwed up the hitters, but that's bad luck. I mean, if you had you. You know, you had enough value in the hittings. You had enough, you know, picks for hitters. And you suggested it at the time. You might need the one guy to get you the 300 Ks. And yet, you know, I think that really is probably. So you're saying if you, you can maybe do the hitter strategy, but get the one ace. Get the ace, right? And I mean, I like to get one other pitcher in like the tenth or the ninth. If it's like in in the fifteen, I like to get maybe one or two more in the twelve. But I think you need that horse. And yeah. like last year in the main event, I had I had a pretty good team, but I. But I had Garrett Cole in the second round, and like it was just that just made life so much easier. Verlander yeah. Cole, just having one of those two guys was just mm-hmm. essential last year. And you want one of those guys if you can in the first two rounds, and and then you worry about it later. I was gonna like I didn't love any of the pitching values initially. Like my instinct was like, eh, I don't really like Cole and the Yankees for where he's going. And then Degrom, the Mets suck, and then Scherzer was banged up and old, and Verlander has the Astros shit hanging over him. And then I was sort of like, man, I, maybe I'll just like pull a mini Dalton Del Don and just take Kershaw in the fourth and Glass now in the sixth or something or, or Severino or someone, something like that. But then after like doing this exercise and talking to Cardi, I'm sort of like, no, fuck that. I got to get a pitcher. I got to get a, an ace. Yeah. No. Okay. All right. Well, they're together then. Um, upset that I can't draft against you Friday night. I'm more prepared. Uh, than usual this early in the season, but uh, hopefully we'll do do another one soon. Um, one other sports thing I wanted to bring up, last one, is uh, the Astros thing. You've been ranting about it on Twitter. Uh, Air Jordan, man. Jordan Alvarez is my guy. The, one of the guys that sticks out to me as far as ADP. I, I drafted him in the third round in this league, which was over, way higher than his ADP, but I get it. He doesn't steal position eligibility, just DH, but uh, pure talent level, I just think. He, and there's even knee issue now, Dusty Baker saying, uh, but I, I just think the guy's a monster. Um, so does he get affected by this? And just talk in general, your, your Astros stuff. Well, I could be wrong. And, and I actually do like that. The Astros are like, fuck you to everybody. I think that is the right attitude. I mean, it's not the right attitude. The right attitude is to like them be suspended, but given the fact <laughs> that like they have to play the season and everyone's going to hate them no matter what, you may as well just be like, fuck off and, and do what you can. But 
I do think that the vitriol is not going to go away. I don't know if they're going to hit, get hit by more pitches. I think there's going to be an eye on that early, but umpires not giving them benefit benefit of the doubt. There is a real thing that they're not going to know the pitch coming. I mean, that is a, a disadvantage. Sure. Yeah. And I just feel like today, like in this day and age with the Iowa caucuses and the QE infinity that's stealing money from the poor and just printing money for the rich, like I think people are pretty pissed off. Nobody trusts our institutions. Everybody's being ripped off. Everyone's angry at everybody else. And now you have a scapegoat. Like this team was busted cheating. Like they distorted the results of the game. The players are obviously pissed. I mean, the players are openly pissed. Usually players don't in the NBA, they sometimes do, but usually players don't openly just shit talk whole teams full of players. Like usually they just kind of keep their mouths shut, especially in baseball. As the Astros have noted, the chirpiest team happens to not be on their schedule this year. Yeah, the, the the Dodgers. Yeah, but that's just bullshit. Like the Dodgers. Oh, they're so scared to play the Astros. No, they're not. You know, like obviously not. You know? Fair. Okay. No one's scared to play a baseball team. You know what? Oh, I don't know. We might strike out. You know, I mean, what's? Oh, what are you going to do? Throw a hundred and two mile an hour fastball at my head? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Could could hurt a little. This. Oh, you think they're scared? The Astros are going to throw at them? No, they, you know, well, anything... retaliate. You want to start a beanball war? I don't know. Yeah, especially well, talking shit. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, they, I don't, they, they didn't say they were going to start a beanball war. They're saying these guys are a bunch of scumbag cheaters. Basically, is what they're saying, right? I mean, right. I know. I'm just saying. It, it's, it's not because they're not playing them. It's not. That's not why. That's dumb. They're going to be booed on the road. They're going to be maybe booed at home half the time. I mean, the guys who are struggling are going to get a lot of questions like, is it just not knowing the pitch is coming that's pro- the problem for you? You know, was last year a product of, there's going to be articles written by all the struggling players. Looks like, you know, Yuli Gurriel really was one of those guys that needed to know it was coming. His bat is just not quite as quick now with the fastball and he doesn't know it's coming. It's going to be a, a, a tough season on them, I think. I, I don't, maybe they'll band together and come out of the gate super strong and have the last laugh, but it's just an added risk. There's a slight risk that not knowing and the advantage they had being gone is going to hurt them. And there's another risk of just being hated is going to take its toll on some of these guys. Yeah. Some of it will be attributed to that when there's also some natural regression due after it's tough playing deep into October baseball, like so many years in a row too. But um, yeah, I mean, those are fair. I I think it's, I'm not, totally lowering them much at all personally i don't i'm not but i mean it, who knows maybe one hit batsman and then bregman goes in the dl and then it was you're you're right you know that's all it would take would be one but, thing but he could go in the d you know that happens anyway you know you, yeah. you don't know it's because of that it's hard to attribute i mean unless they got hit by pitches at like 30 percent higher rate or something you'd probably just say it was luck i don't think people are going to throw at them overtly because they're going to get suspended they're going to crack down on that pretty hard uh baseball is they're probably pissed that this happened, but they're also like trying to put it behind them. You know, they just want this to go away. So they're going to just, they don't want this to become like this. Although it would be good for ratings, you know, a big blood feud between certain teams. That'd be pretty good. Just stay away from my Yordan. Um, last I looked hundred to one to win MVP. Uh, what is it in the middle of that lineup? I mean, the Astros uh, against the narrative, you know, they didn't cheat. I mean, I know, obviously, that's why, but 100 to 1, that's why. I mean, we could put some monster numbers. Yeah, DH doesn't help. There's some uh, definitely some other futures I have my eyes on. We'll talk about uh, in a future episode. Do you have any other thoughts on uh, baseball before I throw some random stuff at you? Not really. I'm, I'm looking forward to drafting. I don't really know the player pool as well as I'd like. I'm going to use this draft. The 12 team mix isn't that deep. I feel like. No. I can get it. You know, I don't need to know much more than I know. And I'm trusting in this method, man. I'm trusting in the market plus algorithm equals 
the best information you possibly can have, and that I have a little bit of experience playing this, and I can hopefully just make some good calls when it's a close call and put together a good team. Yeah, um, since you picked so close, we can maybe even compare how our teams did. Uh, now, actually, maybe I was going to say next week, but you're on vacation, actually. You're, are you traveling? Are you out? I am going to be out on Wednesday next week, so there'll be no podcast next week. Where are you, what are you doing? Uh, Heather's mom's coming to town, so we're just going up north in Portugal to some... There probably won't be skiing. If there is, we'll probably just let Sasha go. It's like shitty Portugal skiing, but uh, gotcha. just some chill resort like up in the northern mountains of Portugal. Gotcha. All right. Okay. I'm going to throw a few things at you. Just pick up any or none. But um, uh, Michael Avenatti uh, was guilty uh, while we've been last talked, which is crazy. That guy was talking about his future president once. And well, one talk, day also- talked about by whom? Let's like be clear about right. this. For sure. That For sure. whole like MSNBC crew that put him on TV or CNN, those like total grifters put Michael Avenatti on TV day after day because he was representing Stormy Daniels. And that was a, a blow to Trump. That was supposed to take Trump down. Remember back that? Oh, no, no. Oh, yeah. he, he, oh. It was a campaign contribution. Like anyone cares about that. So they started, for some reason, promoting this sociopath. And then he just <laughs> turned out to be insane. And now they're just trying to like pretend they never uh, elevated that guy as to one of the like, most prominent uh, guests for like months and months. Yeah, I hope he's like good looking, obviously. But man, it's so funny. Donald Trump Jr. tweeted talking shit to uh, asterisk former Democratic presidential candidate uh, when <laughs> he was funny. in. But uh, one thing, real quick, I'll circle back with this. Not, whatever he, yeah, sure, he, he apparently is, by all means. Uh, he's Stormy Daniels says he is a scumbag. But it still doesn't kind of erase that what he had on Nike was true, right? Like, so when you win this big blackmail case, but the info he had on him was still kind of true. But anyway, it's just interesting how that just gets completely ignored now. Um, other things, Roger Stone, some craziness with his, you know, so one of his jury members, it sounds like, actually, jury foreman. Um, that sounds like a movie waiting to happen. And then your, your polling tweet, I liked that. That was uh, That was funny, right? Yeah, the uh, the, pe- the people who uh, the, the candidate supporters, the percentage in which they believe Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide, Klobuchar by far the most, and S- Sanders and, and Gabbard the, the least. So, and those are my two people, San- especially yeah. Gabbard. He's eight percent. Like people who vote for her, they're not buying into the system. They're not buying into. Oh yeah, of course. Unfortunately, he committed suicide. I guess we'll never know. Okay, let's just move along. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I totally love that. Um, Buttigieg was third least, at least. But, um, and then. Finally, your seed oils love that step on your bell on the XM and then the, the banter afterward. Uh, that was that was funny. Even my wife caught that on, on Twitter and, and laughed. So uh, spread, the, spread the word about seed oils, list. Yeah, I mean, I've talked about this on the podcast before. Do not eat vegetable seed oils, things like corn oil, canola oil, soy oil, anything vegetable oil, sunflower oil, safflower oil, grapeseed oil. And people are like, this guy said, well, I don't really read ingredients. Can you tell me what it's in? I'm like, it's in fucking everything, dude. You have to read ingredients. You look at the p- box of shit that you're buying. Anything in a box is mostly shit. And it's going to say vegetable oil. It's going to say sunflower oil. It's going to have one of these oils in it. The only oils that you should be eating are olive oil, coconut oil, lard, ghee, butter. That's it. That's it. Animal fat, butter, lard, butter, ghee, olive oil, coconut oil. The thing is, coconut and olive oil come from the fruit. You're not squeezing olive oil out of olive pits. They're squeezing it out of the fruit of the olive, the surrounding part of the olive. Same thing with coconuts. They don't really have a pit. They squeeze them out of the fruit. So that, that is fine. Uh, when you squeeze the oil out of a seed, you are basically getting so much omega-6 that your body does not really know what to do with it. And omega-6 increases inflammation in the body. So really bad imagine it's really it's not bad chronic inflammation can lead to real serious health every disease 
diabetes, cancer, heart disease, they're all diseases of inflammation. And basically our ancestors would eat, you know, grapes and chew on the seeds and eat the seeds. And they would get some seed oils from chewing on the seeds. But the amount of seed oil that is in those that is in ingredients is it's extracted from the seeds, which have tiny, tiny amounts, but in mass, there's giant factories of seeds being pressed for their oils and then baked into your foods. And so it's the same thing. It's like a coca leaf. You know, I've talked about this before. The Incas would like chew on these coca leaves that would grow and you'd get like a mild stimulation while you were, you know, carrying a heavy load up a hill. But if you were to extract the, the coca from the plant, in huge amounts of leaves and extract all of it and condense it into a powder, you now have cocaine. And if you're on cocaine all the time, you're going to develop some, probably some dependency and maybe have a heart attack eventually. So it's not the substance that's the problem in the coca leaf. It's the dose that's the problem. And it's the same thing with seed oils. It's not that omega-6, which is actually necessary in your diet, but you don't have to worry, you get plenty, is a problem. You need a little bit of inflammation. To, you know, Blood clotting is inflammation. But if you get so much which we're getting, it used to be that the uh, ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 oils, fatty acids, which are like the, the main types you're getting, there's also omega-9, but something else, was like 1 to 1 to 3 to 1. Our ancestors had a ratio of 6 to 3, omega-6 to omega-3 of about 1 to 1 or 3 to 1. It's now like 30 to 1. So your body is dealing with a totally foreign balance of these substances, and you're getting a gigantic overdose every single day. And it's in everything. Look for the vegetable oils in every single food. Sunflower, canola. This stuff is garbage. If you have this stuff in your cabinet, throw it in the garbage. It's poison. You're better off buying a pack of cigarettes and enjoying a nice smoke than buying than eating these seed oils. Well, that's that's what you compared it to. I was actually going to say that next. You said ten years from now we're all going to be treating that like we we do cigarettes now. Totally. I mean, why do so many people get cancer? When someone gets cancer. We act like, oh, yeah, when you get old, you just get cancer. That's just part of the deal. No, it's not just part of the deal. Every effect has a cause. And they're finding out more and more it causes obesity. It's implicated in a lot of cancers. It combines with alcoholism. When you're uh, drinking a lot and you're eating seed oils, it does more, way more damage to your liver. It probably accelerates you know, certain cancers. So if you're smoking and you're at risk for lung cancer, it probably puts you at higher risk. I think like so many things that we just sort of oh, it's, this is unfortunate. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but it's not, I, and I'm not trying to say that everything's preventable. There is a such thing as bad luck. You might be next to a power plant that, you know, that's spewing toxic shit into the air. There may be something in your water. Or you I can mean, inherit a, ba- a gene. I don't I agree. Mean. I don't agree with inheriting a gene. I think you can inherit a gene mm-hmm. that predisposes you to a certain kind of malfunction should you have a malfunction. So say you have a breast cancer gene. If you didn't get exposed to toxins and, and things in the wrong doses, things that are toxic, the doses that we're commonly exposed to them at. It's my belief that you would not get the ailment. Your gene just means when the shit goes wrong, and something's almost certainly going to go wrong in modern society with the food we're eating and the environmental toxins, that this is the way, this is the shape it's going to take. It's going to take the shape of cancer because your family has cancer. It's going to take the shape of heart disease because your family has heart disease. But it's not necessary that you're going to get that thing at all if you remove the toxic causes of that thing. Your genes are not, no one has, oh, this gene is programmed to kill you. That, w- that makes no sense, right? right? Like, we, we, 
which is first and foremost diet you're saying that that's that's you're saying uh, that's the easiest to control and probably the most powerful because you're literally putting it inside your body there's things like in right, your that's city, what i was gonna say yeah, I, I understand that guy saying it's annoying to look at ingredients that's exactly what i was gonna say you're putting it inside your body like right. think about it that yeah, way don't be a fucking idiot you know what i mean like our ancestors were like didn't just eat any fucking mushroom that was growing when they were hungry you know they would like learn which ones would kill you which ones would make you trip and which ones yeah. would have nutrients <laughs> good you know? yeah. right i mean you, you'd have to you know no it be trusting a corporation you're gonna put something in your body because it's on the store shelf without looking at what's in it i mean that's insane to me so my, my point is just that there's probably some things in the pollution and the air and the city you're in i mean you can move to the countryside put a lot of plants in your house there's things you can do but you can't do everything your water supply you know who knows there's some shit that you get screwed and you know certainly you can't control everything but every every effect has a cause and your genes are only going to determine what the bad effect, how, what shape it takes. But it's not, you know, without any toxins, I just don't think many or, or any, maybe no people are programmed to be sick. You know, that that's like a program of your, like a defect, a defect in you. I just think that we're all getting a, a very toxic cocktail all the time. And then all of us have different genes, which will represent that toxicity in a different way. Like a month ago, there's some interesting research or some interesting finds in, in curing cancer. I'm gonna, I'll send you along the article um, when we're done. But I, I hope you're right, Liz. That is, um, I hope you are right that we can control more than maybe most of us uh, understand. While I fully wanted you to go crazy and absolutely wanted you to go off on the seed oils, um, I also brought it up in part because I just thought it was funny hearing Stefania Bell go on the XM show and talk about how she's cut sugar out of her diet, which is great. It's awesome, something I've been trying to do. Uh, myself and you just kind of uh, went like, oh no, that's not nearly enough. You know, <laughs> I know, just, you I know, know, like you shat on her. I like, know, no, she's no, right. Nearly she's right. I, I'm a tough. So. I'm a. I'm a hard, hard person to please. Yeah. I'm a hard on other people. Yeah. I'm hard on Sasha with her math homework though. She's doing fourth grade math. Oh, math. being your uh, yeah. poor, yeah, yeah. But imagine. she's really good, and she loves. She wants to do math all the time. So I guess I'm not that hard on her. I haven't like destroyed the the spirit in her yet. But I'm like, come on, focus. Like you know, I'm stop guessing. I'm like, stop guessing. You, you don't guess in math. You either know it or you say, I don't know. How do we do this? Don't guess. I don't want you to. It's not about getting the right answer. But I'm hard. She's only just turned eight, so. You know, I, I'm hard on people, but I was trying to say I was I was should have said that's amazing. I'm very happy you're doing that, but I do think the seed oils are, wh- are even worse than the sugars. I, I mean, they're they're you know, they're the twin killers. Those two. Right, right, totally. No, no, no. You did it. You you did a service again for everyone, and you talk. You said you get a new listener every five seconds or whatever, and uh, nothing will beat it when you told everyone on XM about you know the, the problems with uh, sunscreen and that because that really seemed out there to people. But I still appreciated it, but especially but coming out for Stefania Bragg, you know, Stefania deservingly talking about how she's doing a health benefit, and you like kind of like you know you need to one up that and do even more. Yeah, I've just, just try to help her, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. All right, man. That's all I got. Uh, all right, that's good enough for me. I had one other funny thing that I saw. I'll I'll just tell it. Yeah, uh, they're gonna say so, go go. There was uh, one uh, Amy. Uh, what's that's her name? Klobuchar? Klobuchar? Yeah, that sounds right. Anyway, Klobuchar. Klobuchar. Uh, there's an interview with her uh, on Telemundo. You know, and the guy is asking her, and it's being translated into Spanish, like on the subtitles, so that like uh, Spanish speakers can understand it. He's asking her about you know stuff with Mexico. And she goes on and, you know, he's like, well, what do you think about Mexico and what we're going to be doing and you know, what are, what's your vision for the partnership? And she's like, well, obviously Mexico is an incredibly important partner and I look forward to da-da-da. 
And he's like, yeah, but I mean, are you aware of the policies of, you know, da, 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 and what do you think of those? And she's like, well, to be honest, I'm not entirely familiar with all of that, but I do know, you know, that Mexico is incredibly important to the U.S. and da, da, da. And he's like, well, you do know who the Mexican president is, right? And then she's like, well, yes, I know that the Mexican president is blah, 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 you know, does this. And he's like, no, but you know his name, right? And she's like, I'm sorry, I actually do not know his name. So she didn't know who the president of Mexico (laughs) is. Okay. No, I don't know who the president of Mexico is either, but I'm just some dude who lives in Portugal. I don't really think about Mexico. I mean, I like Mexico, but I don't really think about it much. But two things. First of all, she's a U.S. senator. She should know who the Mexican president is in that job. Like, just period. You should know. Okay. But fine. I could say, I could forgive that. I could say, you know what? You pretend to care about Mexico, but you're just doing the bidding of your donors, obviously. So what do you give a shit, right? It's not really that important for you. You're just, you're just doing what you're told. So who gives a shit if you know who that is? But that's not the problem. I mean, that is a problem, but that's not the main problem. The main problem is she knew she was having an interview. Right, right. right. Why would you <laughs> just go to fucking yeah. Wikipedia and write down oh, the yes. name of the dude and memorize it and memorize and look into a couple of his recent policy decisions and have some, like, if you're going on like Yahoo to talk about hockey or something, you're like, Dalton, I'm so sorry, we need you. And you're like, ah, I don't really follow it that close. Just talk about the goalies for tonight. You would go and you would actually look up a couple of things <laughs> to say. Like, who doesn't look up just the basics. If you don't know the Mexican president and you're on Telemundo, I mean, yeah, that's the crazy what the thing. Fuck? Yeah, no, that's the crazy thing, right? It's not, yeah, it's the truly crazy thing is to like, like you, you just don't give a shit. You just, you, you just have so little regard for the actual job. You're just doing what you're told. You just want to get elected so that you can do what you're told and do the things that you're supposed to do for the people that you're, you know, your clients, basically the, the interests that are, I mean, that it's, it's like, I mean, anybody knows to just look up a couple of things. So no, that's just the bare minimum of before. Yeah. But it, let's not forget though, nearly half of her supporters do think Epstein committed suicide. Yeah. She's right. She's the highest, right? Because yeah. they don't care. They're not interested in anything. You know, it's just, yeah, it's just no, that's funny, man. No, that is funny. I'll, that, that's funny. I'll search for that clip. That's yeah. No, that's, a, that's bad for sure. It's painful. Cause the guy keeps asking. He's like, you see him being like, no, 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 but I want some specifics here. And then he starts to realize she doesn't even know who the guy is. Well, I'm glad he kept going though. Then no, no, no it was like good he journalism. Didn't brush it off, let her get away with it though. That's way better. It was, it was good journalism. Yeah. All right, man. Good stuff, Liz. All right, man. Take it easy, Dalton. Later.